Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious and loving Father, we pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would help us to stand firm in our faith in a world that is often hostile to it. We pray that you would help us to stand firm in our lives on Jesus Christ and to remember that we indeed are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Remind us that you have called us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And all by your mercy. Remind us that we can be a light to this world. That we can make the sacrifices to bring the gospel to the lives of others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our epistle reading today from the first letter of Peter, we see that, that Jesus is referred to as a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And we know that he's precious. Jesus is uh, there at the waters of baptism, and we hear the voice of God, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We talk about Jesus as being precious, the unblemished lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now we have to also take a look at the idea that this morning, that lesson to us that comes from the book of Acts talks about Stephen being stoned by those who oppose him. That those who oppose him don't want to hear the words of truth, that they don't want to hear about this Jesus. They don't want to hear how they are responsible for his death. And so they take Stephen outside of the city and they begin to stone him to death. It, it, it reminds me, in, a, in an ironic sense, how easy it was for the Jews to put someone to death that they didn't like. But remember, they didn't stone Jesus. They did a lot of illegal things in this trial to put him to death, but they didn't stone him. They crucified him. They didn't want the blood on their hands. They wanted the blood on the hands of the Romans someone else they didn't want to be the fall guys for him they got other people to do in a sense their dirty work for him and so when Stephen reminds them of that they can't handle it it's ironic that later on Peter, even knowing full well what happened to Stephen uses that example of, of stones to describe our faith and, and that faith in which we stand, that Jesus himself is that, that precious stone, that he is the one who is there, and that as a result of Jesus Christ standing firm in the task that the Father laid before him, standing firm and going to a cross to suffer and die for us, he is like that solid foundation. It's like that story that Jesus himself told about building your house on the rock. 
And that's so instrumental to who Jesus is that he even later gives that assignment, that, that name to Peter. And he reminds Peter that, that he's the rock, that on this rock I'm going to build my church. That, and it's not so much the rock of Peter's personality and who he is, but rather that rock of confession that Jesus says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, ironically, in, in the Greek language, Peter doesn't really mean rock or rocky like we think it does. It really means more like pebbles. And I like that analogy. I like that understanding of the word. Because what Jesus is saying is he's going to build his, his church on the pebbles. Huh? Well, what do you mean? Well, he builds it on the pebbles. He brings together all of us as those living stones, all of us from all of our different walks in life with all of our different skills and talents and abilities gifted to us by the Holy Spirit. He brings us all together and he builds his church on that. And that's where we are referred to as, as that spiritual house, if you will, that, that royal priesthood called together as all of those little pebbles to bring together to do incredible things, to build the most incredible faith relationship with the living God in the institution of his people, the church, brothers and sisters in Christ. Each of us unique, no two rocks being the same. You know, when you stop by and you look at the painted rocks, and hopefully there'll still be some out there when you get here, they're all different. And what you think about rocks, even though they're all different, they were all created by the same hands. The creative hands of God. Working in that which he has established. And we are unique and different. We're all different, but yet we're the creative work of God established by his hands. Uniquely crafted and made with all of the different skills and talents. Those living stones as we are called by scripture. And we're brought together. And we are brought together and built with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. As the living head of the body of Christ the church. That's why I love the hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand. And it's, I call it its sister hymn, The Church's One Foundation is Jesus Christ, Her Lord. Beth, make a note that those hymns really should be sung together. Because they really are talking about the same thing, just in different ways. And we look at what Peter's trying to tell us today. Behold, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious. This chosen son of God, the Lamb of God, precious in the sight of his father. Whom he sends to a cross to suffer and die. And whoever believes in him, the text tells us today, will not be put to shame. Well, we carry a lot of shame. The sins that we commit in this world, oftentimes we want to hang on to those things and they just kind of are almost like dominoes. One sin leads to another, which leads to another, and sometimes the inevitability of wandering away from Jesus takes place. 
We find those times in our lives when we're wandering and lost and all alone and, and sometimes maybe even we think we're in that, that dark tunnel of sin and there seems to be no way out. And yet remember, even as we are wandering, Christ is still there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He never gives up on us. But he's always there encouraging us by the power of his. We're drawn back to him. He's working in our lives by his Holy Spirit, by those around us who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow stones, our fellow pebbles, if you will, working to bring us back and remind us of who we've called to be trying to replace our focus, not on our own lives and not on the world, and we've talked about that before. You know, Peter did fine walking on the water towards Jesus until he took his eyes off Jesus and started paying attention to the world. That's the danger we can sometimes fall into, and especially during these tough times, we can be so paying attention to the world that we forget about Jesus. I mean, after all, how many of you who have been self-isolating at home are guilty of watching the news cycle 24-7, your TV's on, and the news is in the background, and you're paying attention to what's going on in the world. I think it would be better for you to like, tune into our channel here and just go back a year and start playing all of the worship services for the last year and focus on Jesus. Because the world, as my grandmother used to say, is going to hell in a handbasket. Our hope's not found in the world. Our hope's not in what's going on in the world. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's focus on Christ and what he calls us to do and how he calls us to live in this world. The gospel reminds us, Jesus says it, I am the way and the truth and the life. And that's the truth that we need to live in. I am, he says. That connects us to this understanding of who he is as God. He is the way. No one comes to the Father except by him because why? He and the Father are one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The world always keeps trying to redefine truth or make truth relative or situational. Well, truth in this case is absolute, and his name is Jesus. And you can't change absolute truth. And the world needs to know that absolute truth, and that's why we are called to be those stones, those living stones, and to not be afraid of what the world can do to us. You see, as the body of Christ, we cling to each other. We cling to each other as the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, and we are a people who are called by Christ as the body of Christ to bring to the world the truth of Jesus, to bring to the world the truth of the gospel. Notice what his word says from 1 Peter. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, out of that tunnel, out of that sin, and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. 
But now you are God's people. You belong to him. And he encourages us to share him with the world. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy, that wonderful gift from God of of a punishment withheld, of sins forgiven. And I love this. I came across this. I love this phrase. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. We need to remember that because you'll run across these people in this world who would say, well, you know, God could never love me. I am so bad. I am so, uh, uh, you know, if I came to church, the roof would cave in and the walls would crumble. And there's this idea that they're just not good enough for Jesus or not worthy enough or that somehow his mercy is not great enough to cover who they are. But God's mercy is so deep and so wide and so all-encompassing that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross reminds us that God's mercy is unending, that the plentiful supply of mercy never runs out. There is more mercy in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, then there is sin, not only in any one of us, but in all of us combined. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There is no shortage of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's grace. You go into the grocery store still, it's hard to find flour on the shelves. There's still signs up that limit you to two bags. I went to buy water. Signs up, only two. I haven't checked on the toilet paper lately. Tests, blood tests, tests for COVID, shortages. Shortages abound in our world. But there is no shortage of Christ's love. There's no shortage of grace. No shortage of mercy. Because God's cup overflows. The cool thing about rocks is a lot of them gain their shape by sitting at the bottom of a stream. I like to think of us as living stones washed clean with the waters of baptism, shaped and molded by the powerful force of that water working in our lives. As baptized children of God, we cling together. We might be individual stones with all of the talents and the abilities, but together we can make those sacrifices. We can do the work that needs to be done. We can reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can minister to each other, especially during these trying times. Living stones, not meant to simply lay there, but to be a foundation for the kingdom 
and for the spread of the gospel. May we, a people who have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light, may we, built on the cornerstone, share the faith of God to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.